all eat, and that is why farming will always matter. Everybody Eats is where the stories of food and farming intersect. These stories, told through my Farm Her lens, connect us to our food, and more importantly, the people behind it. Everybody Eats is the stories of those who protect our rural communities, who grow our food with extraordinary care, and who provide support, education, and assistance to make sure everybody eats. To find out more, visit farmher.com and click on the Everybody Eats tab. Meet Sarah Charlot, fifth generation farm her at Pleasant Valley Tree Farm in Wisconsin. Her farm is the perfect place to create country Christmas memories. In this episode, we're gonna learn about the traditions her farm offers, what traditions are unique to her family, and all about her family farm, or as I like to call it, winter wonderland. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us on Farm Her Talks. I am so excited to learn more about your Christmas tree farm. And, and before we jump into that, I just have to, to brag on you just a little bit. Your um, submission in our online form like literally jumped out. And I have to tell everybody what caught my eye. You plant or you have a hand in planting along with your family, I should say, 25,000 trees yearly, shearing thousands of those, green spraying 3,000 white pines, fertilizing all of the trees, picking pine cones on 150,000 Fraser firs, mowing 300 acres of tree fields, cutting down 15,000 trees yearly, bailing them, loading them, and doing all the financials, books, payroll, taxes, all of that. And here was one of my favorites, serving over 10,000 cups and bags of hot chocolate, popcorn, and hot cider to your customers. So you clearly have a lot going on. And uh, the other thing that jumped out, you spend your days covered in sap, oil, green spray, you have bruises, diesel, ragweed cuts, dirt, and then glitter. So Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story with us initially through our website, farmher.com, and for joining us here on Farmher Talks. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. That was a very nice intro. I I don't know if I deserved all that, but I really appreciated it. Well, I, I tell you what, you wrote it, so it's thanks to you. But I think it takes a lot to put yourself out there and to share all of those different parts and pieces and in the scale. And those are the things. Sometimes I read those, and I'm just like, wow. I'm I'm sure that you're just day in day out, and you're nonstop busy. But. It is a massive amount of work and sometimes there's glitter involved. So I love that. So let's, let's start with a little bit about you. Can you tell me um, your story and how you became the fifth generation on your family farm? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I guess at the very beginning, like in every um, true good farm child fashion, I was born at the worst possible time in the middle of my parents' um, harvest season in November of 1997. Um, after that, basically, I lived and breathed right there on the farm along with four of my siblings and my family, grandparents, cousins, just like every good farm family. It was all of us uh, hands on. Um, it, we were all we all really enjoyed growing and living and working right alongside each other, which is really good because they promote or created many successful businesses for us. Mm-hmm. And um, I got really lucky because out of my my dad had five other older siblings and they all were involved in the farm at one point or another. Um, but he had the most interest in it. 
lucky for me and my four siblings. Um, we were the ones that ended up doing most of the, or a lot, not most of it, but a lot of the manual labor and uh, most of the labor for the farm. Um, so we were really, really, truly blessed that my dad was the one who actually put forth the effort and the work and wanted to take over the farm because it has yielded so many incredible things for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So from a very young age, I just absolutely loved the place and I was totally, totally involved 110% of the time. Um, for example, like when I was four years old, my dad took me up into downtown Minneapolis to unload um, about 500 Fraser fir trees for a YMCA club up there. And even at four years old, I jumped right out of the gooseneck truck and, or the truck, I mean, and um, I walked right alongside my dad and crawled into the back of the trailer and started trying to haul out seven foot trees right alongside him. Um, very incapable of doing it at four years old, but I tried my hardest. And no matter what, I always wanted to do whatever my parents were doing. And now I'm really, I'm more, I'm so blessed because now I get to do just that. I love that. I love that. I could feel the passion in everything you wrote. I can hear it in what you say. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've met many uh, farm families like yours and there's just something special about it. And uh, I, I'm so glad that uh, you fell into that role and found a place early in life, really, right? Like that's, that's a win for so many people if you think about it. So let's talk. Oh, yeah, a absolutely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about your farm. You know, I, I spit out a whole bunch of statistics that you shared and numbers and, and uh, mm -hmm. to give people the scale of it, but where is your farm? And tell me like what it's made up of. Yeah. So our farm is um, nestled in the hills of Elkman, Wisconsin, total small town, USA. Um, we're about an hour um, east of the Minneapolis-St. Paul Metro. So we have very, very, very lucky with our location with the amount of customers we get from there. Um, we're made up of about, I think we're just shy of 600 acres and we're actually broken down into five separate farms um, that we own kind of spread. Well, farthest is about five miles away, but we've kind of slowly bought, or not us, but my grandparents and mm -hmm. aunts and uncles and dad bought up about, I think, three different family farms from other neighbors and everything. And we've just added them and continuously, we just actually purchased another one this year. Um, so we added another about 75 acres. So we're really, we're, we're just kind of growing as the years go on, but we're just, we're in a beautiful spot right in West central Wisconsin. And we're really blessed with the location. Yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, when you describe it, it makes me want to load up the car and like <laughs> head straight there because uh, I think it just conjures up all of those good things about family traditions. So um, what sort of special holiday traditions does your farm offer for other families, right? Like why do people come to your farm? Because obviously you grow a lot of Christmas trees, right? I think I said mm -hmm. you plant yep. 25,000 a year and cut about 15,000 a year. So obviously people come there for Christmas trees, but tell me about some of the other ways that you guys have expanded this business. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, our biggest thing, obviously, is just our choose and cut and pre-cut fields that we offer to our customers. Um, we also, we actually, we're going to be opening up our gift shop here in about two, two to three weeks um, now. So we have a lot of home decor ornaments, just about any kind of snowman, Santa snow globe you could possibly want or need. Um, we definitely have it. Then um, when families come out to actually cut down their tree, we do wagon rides to and from the field. Um, our, we have tons and tons of labor on staff during those weekends when retail is really big and heavy um so the guys in the processing center will they process the tree they bale it shake it and then they load it right onto their cars and then the families from there go inside and they can enjoy free hot chocolate popcorn and cider 
And then there's also, we have Santa and Mrs. Claus and a living nativity that we also do um, just to promote Christ and Christmas because we think that's one of the most important things. And um, yeah, it's a big, it's one of those big happy family traditions to come out there and find the perfect tree. Okay, so we talk about family dynamics a lot and, and how some of these things shake out amongst a family, right? And and tell me how many siblings you have again. I have four younger siblings that are all involved in okay. one way or the other. Okay, and layers of family, whether it's aunts, uncles, cousins, your grandparents, and, and obviously your parents, right? And so tell me a little bit about how this works. Like, do you have your own job? Does everybody have their own jobs that they run after here? Yeah, so right now my parents actually just purchased the farm over from my grandparents, um, which was a really crazy time in our lives, but they just purchased it about a year and a half ago. So now it's been myself and then my two brothers that are next in line age-wise. They both are working with us full-time. And then my two youngest siblings are still in high school and middle school. So they're, they're very involved, but just not at the same level we are quite yet. But my two brothers and I will actually... The next couple of weeks when we start, uh, next week and a half, two weeks when we get to harvest season, um, they'll both get really involved in the harvest part of it. And I'll go out and help them periodically throughout the week. But my main focus for the next about month and a half will be our wreaths, garland, porch pots, gift shop. Um, so I'll be really in the thick of things with that between cutting and clicking boughs and everything. And then I'll, at the same time, if I, whenever I have an hour or two to spare, I'll run out and help them load a semi or cut down trees or bale or shake, whatever they need. Um, but they're, they really get into the harvest where I have to step over and start doing some of the more um, tedious decorating and wreath making and garlands. So we all three kind of have our own areas, but at the end of the day, if I need, I know one of my brothers will end up helping maybe make the 3,500 feet of garland that need to be made. Um, so wow. I think the best part of this whole thing is we have a lot of appreciation for each other's spots and we respect that. But at the same time, no matter what, if one of us needs help in our areas, we will jump right in and help each other out. Absolutely. And that that's what it takes in a family, right? Like everyone's got their lanes, but you got to be able to jump on, over into someone else's lane really quickly. So I can't help but, but ask this question. How in the heck do you get the sap off of your hands or your hair? Because it's got to yes. be everywhere, right? Like it, this is your life. Oh, and I yeah. bet you are like the yep, pro at removing sap. Yeah, this is about basically, this is what I know very well. The weirdest part is, so when you get sap on you between you know may and august when it's still warm and hot and muggy out and gross um the sap's everywhere i have i still have my my desktop computer and my office phone and my in the office are both still covered from sap from when we were doing pine cones in june it'll never that probably won't ever come off luckily when we get into tree season with harvest there's something about the sap well obviously it's a chemical reaction it hardens a lot quicker for because there's not as much heat um, and it just gets covered in dirt. So luckily from till now until we're done cutting, it'll, you won't be sticky. It'll just, your hands will be pitch black. Mm. So then the weirdest part is you'll go home the, the, the day and you'll shower. And I don't know where it goes, but after you shampoo your hair, there's no sap on your hands. I don't know what text in the shampoo we're using, but um, it, the sap's gone. So then that's the only thing that I've ever found that takes the sap off is washing your hair. It's probably all in my hair now, but it doesn't seem to do too much damage. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, if you can get a brush through it, then obviously something's working out just fine. That's pretty funny. Well, uh, so 
holiday traditions, you know, all, all of these different things that you do. I absolutely love this. So while we're on the topic of trees, can you tell us the different varieties of trees that you sell and how, like as a consumer, um, people might tell the difference between them or, or maybe some of the benefits of growing them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we sell both short and long needle Christmas trees. So our short needle are going to be Fraser fir, balsam fir, and then a white spruce. And then our long yields are going to be white pine. Um, we grow a bunch of smaller varieties, but they all end up falling under those four for the most part, luckily. Um, Consumer-wise, I, I always say that um, it's all dependent on, I guess, your type. Some people love that old-fashioned white pine long needle tree that you used to see in the movies. Otherwise, if you're going for more of an ornament tree that you want to be able to decorate, then you're going to probably go short needle balsam or Fraser fir and spruce. Um, I would say the biggest difference between the three of the short needles is going to probably be the smell. The balsam mm-hmm. fir are going to smell the best. They, for some reason, are the most fragrant tree out there. Um, and then the Fraser fir is, is fairly fragrant, to, fragrant too, but um, just not as much as the balsam fir. And then the spruce is kind of just bottom of the line and it's just kind of, it's a good tree, but it's just not top tier quite yet. So, so I'm, I'm, don't be mad at me when I say this, but we have a fake tree, but you're making me want to literally <laughs> drive to Wisconsin and strap one of these on the top of our car when we come back home. Seriously, like the, I can just, the scent is is such a cool thing. And to have a live tree, you know, we did when I was a kid and we might have to recommit to that uh, this year. I, I love it. So, um, so what is your favorite type of tree? Oh, definitely, definitely the Fraser fir. They're the they're definitely the nicest tree that um, just what anyone in the United States can grow. Um, it's just a beautiful, beautiful tree. Even though they're not as strong smelling, they still smell very, very good. And they're I'm not a huge decorator because after three and a half months of decorating a gift shop, I don't want to see another ornament. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely still something we do for tradition wise. But a Fraser fir is the best for decorating and for just, I just think it's a perfect tree and for the most part. Yeah. So in a Fraser fir, for example, going back to the numbers you shared again, you guys might plant 25,000 trees a year and cut down 15,000. How long does it take for, let's say, a Fraser fir to grow? Like how long does it have to, to be out there in the field before you can use it? Yeah. So actually the funny part about Fraser fir is they actually take about a year to two years longer than every other tree to grow just because, and for the most part, kind of like what you're talking about with picking pine cones, Fraser fir are the only tree that you necessarily have to pick pine cones on. So there is definitely more input and they take longer to grow. So they're almost at, by the time we get them into the ground, which they've already been growing for two years at that point, because they're a a, a foot and a half long transplant. Mm -hmm. It takes them an additional seven years, seven to eight years to get to be an eight foot tree. So there's almost at nine years by the time you get them in your house. There is a long tail on that. Like your, your business outlook has to be, pretty significant right and it's a huge commitment oh yeah Uh, absolutely Mm -hmm. um so i also can't help but wonder like how long does one of the trees last once you cut it down and get it into your house yeah so actually um it's kind of different for all i mean we do a lot of wholesale accounts along with our choose and cut and pre-cut trees um i think people you'd be surprised with how long trees last it doesn't mean that they should be cut down um like some of the big guys do end of october it's not always ideal Mm -hmm. but trees actually may have a chemical reaction in them that's meant to meant to hold needles and everything for as long for a fairly long time so if if a tree's cut down mid-november 
it, it should still make it till um, mid-February. The biggest thing, which I know everyone who has, gets a real tree probably gets sick of hearing it from whoever you buy trees from, is you just have to make sure to keep on watering them. Because watering them is literally what it'll keep them going for. Mm-hmm. We, in my family, they, in one crazy year, they kept, when one of my siblings was born, so it was just a bad year, or a good year. A busy year. They'll hate me for that. Um, it was a good year. We kept our tree up till almost end of March. Um, oh, wow. So, we made it till Easter that's, and it made it just fine. I actually started pushing out bud and growth for the next year. That's so awesome. kind of crazy. You wouldn't expect it, but they last a long time. Okay. I'm learning so much. I, I have another question and I know we're off the topic of holiday traditions, but I think this is so interesting. <laughs> when you say it drops pine cones and you need to pick those up, is there a reason for that? Like, I, I don't know obviously anything about trees other than um, I've got some out in my yard, but I not that I, you know. Yeah grow like you guys do yeah so actually so they um the fraser fir um they so they end up growing pine well they all all these trees grow pine cones but the fraser fir are the ones that are going to cause damage to the top of the tree um so they they push them out on the top what it happens then if you don't pick those pine cones or remove them from the top of the tree they don't, they don't push out the growth that they need to. So instead of having this beautiful full tree on top, that'll look great. You're going to end up having this little Charlie Brown tree on top and a full bottom, which isn't ideal for, um, for consumers or for just about anyone. Right. You have to literally go through and pick off every single pine cone. And some like this last spring and summer was a horrible, horrible pine cone season. Um, basically you could almost guarantee that if you walk down a row, 75 to 80% of the trees were going to have at least um, 30 to 40 pine cones on them each. Wow. So then you have to spend like 10, 10 minutes sometimes per tree picking off all the pine cones and it's, it's crazy tedious. And tree farming is one of these, um, one of these agriculture fields that we don't, I mean, the money's not in it, you know, like row crop or dairy or anything like that to figure out the, the science behind it or to figure out the machinery behind it. So a lot of tree farming is still just hands-on and it's, still done by a person so you literally the guys absolutely hate it and it's not my favorite time of the year either by the end of it but you walk down every single row with ladders and you pick off all the pine cones and that's just kind of what life is I guess you just got to do some of that every once in a while life and a tree farming family I had no idea but I'm just gonna say hey Tony I've seen some pine cones up we have uh, something like 42 pine and and fir trees out around our property not that we grow for Christmas trees obviously they're huge (laughs) but they have pine cones up in the top and I've never like really realized why some of them might fall off and some might not. So that's a really interesting thing, I think, to know in general about trees. So thanks for letting yeah. me uh, like go off on a track about trees in general. <laughs> and so as we talk about holiday traditions and memories, you guys obviously are a huge part of of all of that for so many other families, right? Like I can think of of the times that uh, we've gone somewhere and done something that's really Christmas related with my family and, and you remember those and they're special, right? Like it's a really special time of year. So let's talk a little bit about your traditions as a farm family who uh, serves obviously consumers and, and uh, the general public during their special time of year. So what are some of the traditions that you do as a family? Yeah. So we actually, um, even though it's, it's an absolutely crazy time of the year, we, we definitely are a very tradition based family. So there's certain things we do no matter what, like I was just actually talking to my siblings and my brother's fiance on our way up here. And 
one of the big things we were thinking about was oh, we actually get five real Christmas trees in our, in our parents' house. So each of us, it was a big deal that even we put them in our bedrooms. So they're little like four oh. or five foot trees. And then we get a huge one upstairs and a big one in our basement living room. So we end up getting five, six Christmas trees in our house. And um, that was a big thing. And I, okay, so I grew up this way. So to me, that was like normal. Like, Everyone oh, has a Christmas tree in their bedroom. Christmas tree in your bedroom. Yeah, but yeah. I found out as I get older, I'm like, oh no, that's just our thing. <laughs> like, that's, that's weird. Um, but it's a big tradition for us. That's awesome. I love and, that. Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say, I love that. I think that you're probably pretty unique in that respect. So I, that's great. Yeah. And um, I'm just trying to think. So some other things like... Uh, we do a big decor. We don't get our Christmas tree till the very end. And so we're basically, we're open full time until December 23rd every year. So somewhere between the 20th and 23rd, we end up getting our Christmas tree. Yeah. Um, and so we do, since we've all been working crazy hours, 70, 80 hour weeks, um, we a big deal for us is we, no matter what, on a Friday night, we sit down, we put the tree up together and then we have a fish fry because what's more Wisconsin than a Friday night <laughs> fish fry and yeah. Christmas tree party. Um, so that was a big thing for us. And I think those are the two like really big ones in our family is we just make big deals out of, well, obviously I guess trees are a big part of our family. So that's a big part of what our traditions are too. That's awesome. I love that. And it just goes to show, you know, every family has their traditions, even if they might look a little different than other people's. Right. But, but, you know, with our Everybody Eats episodes, we really focus on all these different parts and pieces of the agriculture chain. And one thing that I don't know that all of us stop to think about is everything that goes into growing Christmas trees, right? And having the public come onto your farm. And, you know, it's a true effort, but it's binded your family together in in a pretty cool way. So I absolutely love that. Okay, so I have one last question. What has been your favorite part of growing up and working on your family's Christmas tree farm? Um, I think my favorite part um, really goes back to family. And a lot of it is just um, my dad always told uh, my sister and I that no matter what we can do and we're capable of doing anything our brothers do. And um, I thank God every day that he gave us that opportunity to do so because now my parents have two very strong-willed independent girls who do want to do everything that their brothers do between working with chainsaws and driving truck and trailer tractor, um, no, trying to know more about trees than their brothers do. And, but then at the same time being very proud and happy with our ability to be feminine and decorate porch pots and wreaths and home decor and do just about anything our mom does as well. And I think what, where that comes from is just being super family oriented. I grew up watching both my grandmothers and my mother um, be super strong-willed, independent women who were never afraid to compete with guys, especially when it came to farming. And both my mother and my dad's, my grandmother, were always working alongside my grandfather, uncles, and father in the fields and as and in the office, in our retail sh- lots and in our gift shop. So I think we were so blessed to be raised by women who are proud to be in the agricultural world. And it just goes back to being just a strong family unit. And I think that the my favorite part and being able to grow up with that is I got to know my family in a way that most people weren't lucky enough to get to know their family. And I definitely take it for granted some days and there's days that it's frustrating because that's just what it is working with family so closely. Um, but I get to see, I'm seeing it so much more as I get older, especially now that, you know, everyone, you, you age along with everyone else. I think that's hard to, you don't keep that in mind when you're young and everything's changing, but 
my my grandfather just passed away about a month and a half ago and he was the one that really got started with the trees and we all got together for the funeral for the party after we headed out at our christmas tree farm and getting to watch everybody spend a day together in a place that meant so much to all of us for many different reasons um i all i could think of is how blessed we are to grow up in a farming community and a farming family because it pulls us all together in the weirdest possible moments but we're all so crazy blessed that it does pull us together when we need it most. So I feel I think that was my favorite part about growing up on the farm is just the family unit that you create together. Absolutely. I have to say every time I visit a farm and see a family and, and how, uh, how, like you said, how blessed they are and getting to work closely together because it's, it's uh, something that does bind you together for sure. And sometimes too close together. Right. But, but overall yeah, it, yep. it's a pretty neat thing to be able to see. And I'm always a little jealous of those families when I, when I see all of the good that comes from it. So that is, that is absolutely wonderful. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story. If people want to find out more about your farm, how can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So we uh, we do have our website is um, pleasantvalleytree.com. Otherwise, um, we have a Facebook page that I'm sometimes quotes funny stuff on. Otherwise, it's fairly, fairly mundane, but it's really, I have all of our information on there. And um, any information you need to be able to find anything out about us, we're Pleasant Valley Christmas, or Pleasant Valley Tree Farm in Elk Mound, Wisconsin. Wonderful. Well, like I said, I, I'm going to make it there someday. I, I actually am going, we're going to load up the car and come because it sounds like such a neat experience and uh, what a great way to support a family farm. So thank you again for joining us on this Farm Her Talks podcast and sharing about your farm and the traditions that you've established over the holidays. And to everybody out there listening, happy holidays from Farm Her. Farm Her.